Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Levin, our number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I hope you had a good weekend. This disaster at this uh, condominium in Surfside, Florida, really just gets worse and worse and worse. Now they have 10 who've died. They cannot identify them. That shows you how horrendous this is. 150 apparently are missing. And this happened on Thursday, early in the morning. So we're heading into day five. Every single emergency team that is competent in doing this thing, eight of them in various cities in Florida are on the scene. The top experts from Israel are on the scene. The top experts from Mexico are on the scene. So everything that can be humanly done is being done. And at least locally I notice that the political parties have politics aside. There's deep concern and worried by everybody. Except the Washington Post. The Washington Post sees something like this and they think they have an opportunity to attack a Republican. And this is what I mean about the media in this country, how they're not just contributing to the destruction of the unity of this nation and ripping at its fabric, but they're leading the way. They are hoping that Governor Ron DeSantis did something or didn't do something that they could exploit in order to attack him and lay the foundation to defeat him. And unfortunately, this is how the media in this country think. It's how Chuck Todd thinks, George Stephanopoulos, 
and almost all of the rest of them. Now, what am I talking about? In the Daily Wire, Ryan Severda, Florida Democrats push back on false claims from media about Governor DeSantis' response to the building collapse. So here we are in the middle of this horrific tragedy, and what do the media do? What does the Washington Post do? They try to use it as an opportunity to advance their ideological agenda yet again. Leftist politicians and journalists spread false and misleading claims about Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis' response to the building collapse in Miami that were so outrageous that local Florida Democrats have strongly pushed back on their claims. Washington Post reporter Hannah Dreyer, she's a disgrace, she's a shameless buffoon, was one of the main leftist actors who was spreading false information about DeSantis' response. In a tweet that gained significant traction online, Dreyer wrote, quote, FEMA was ready to deploy to the condo collapse almost immediately and included the crisis in its daily briefing, but didn't get permission from Governor DeSantis to get on the ground for a full day. Now, bottom-feeding, ambulance-chasing, putrid Marxist, far-left representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez liked the tweet which means that millions of her 12.7 million followers on Twitter would see it in their feed. So she goes out of her way to like the tweet. Now, FEMA's National Incident Management System shows that requests for assistance are supposed to be made by local officials to state officials who then contact federal officials for assistance. And that's exactly what happened. DeSantis signed an executive order declaring an emergency less than an hour after Miami-Dade County Mayor Danielle Levine Cava, a Democrat, signed a local order declaring a state of emergency. Dreyer's claim that it took DeSantis a full day to respond is also false, as he approved the emergency declaration on the same day as the incident. In other words, there were no delays. It happened efficiently. It happened seamlessly. On Sunday, when pressed by far-left NBC host Chuck Todd, also Democrat, over whether the state had provided all the support that she needed, the Democrat Mayor Cava said that the state of Florida, and I quote, has been here in force, and that we have not lacked for any support. I'm sure that dumb look on Chuck Todd's face remained dumb because he can't wipe it off. So we have the D.C. media suggesting that DeSantis failed to provide resources to Surfside, And even the basis for the question by Todd was all again intended for exploitation. Jared Moskowitz, a Democrat politician who recently served as Florida's Director of Emergency Management, slammed the Washington Post reporter Dreyer, writing on Twitter, FEMA's mantra is locally executed, state-managed, and federally supported. As the former director in Florida who voted for Biden, this tweet below, meaning hers, is 100% malarkey. FEMA would have deployed the federally funded USAR teams, which are located in Miami-Dade County. They were already there. They were already there. Surfside Mayor Charles Burkett said on Sunday that the town does not have a resource problem, that they are drowning in resources. Folks, they have all these searchers there, not only from the, the eight specialized units in Florida, 
but from overseas. The problem is, a lot of these people aren't going to make it. A lot of these people are probably already gone. Other far-left journalists and the media appear to try to mislead people by trying to blame DeSantis for the incident by posting side-by-side screenshots of a 2019 tweet from DeSantis where he championed deregulation next to a screenshot of CNN article titled Engineer raised Major Structural Damage at Florida Building a Few Years Before It Collapsed. This is amazing to me. It's not a matter of less regulation or more regulation. What we're finding out is that there was a review done three years ago and a warning that the, that the building needed major upgrades and needed them quickly. So, of course, for the left, it's more regulation. It appears to me they had regulation. What they needed is more monitoring. What they needed is more inspections by experts. Not a matter of more regulations. So here we are, right away. We have this horrific event. And now one building does remind a lot of people of 9-11, of those buildings collapsing. I'm not talking about terrorism. I'm talking about when you look at that building, it's holy crap, here we are again. And we're talking about a lot of people in one building, a 12-story building. And it would be nice if the Washington Post were actually investigating the background of all this stuff rather than trying to take out a, a truly remarkable Republican governor, but they can't help it because they're, they're that loathsome. And same with all the, well, the cockroaches on social media. That's why I don't bother anymore with most of it. Anyway, people should be concerned about those families that are suffering if anybody's left at the bottom of that building rather than trying to exploit the situation. That, that includes Chuck Todd, who's asking a Democrat mayor about DeSantis, hoping, beyond hope, that she'll say something negative. It also demonstrates to you that the media have no humanity. They don't care what's going on on the border. They pretend they have humanity. They have no humanity. They have no compassion whatsoever. Whether it was Stalin slaughtering the Ukrainians, whether it was the Holocaust where they covered their eyes and didn't want their readers to know what was going on. Even now, in this one building in Surfside, Now, I want to thank many of you in this audience, many of you in this audience, who really stepped up and donated uh, to to the Chabad synagogue there that was assisting and is assisting morning, noon, and night on the ground. I'm always so proud of this audience. I really am. You're just, you're uh, you're a blessing. You're an absolute blessing. And I want to thank you very much. I'll be right back. Lovin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Now, education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, and it continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide. 
through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of Liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage and liberty that too often today is falsely derided and denied. Hillsdale's motto is, Pursuing Truth and Defending Liberty Since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. You know, a few months ago, Joe Biden embraced Talib on the tarmac of an airport, praising her for her courage. Her courage in doing what? Well, I'll cut to the chase. Her anti-Semitism, her anti-Americanism, her contempt for the state of Israel. Because that's what she stands for. And on top of that, she's clearly a Marxist. And Joe Biden wanted her to know how smart she was. Even called her out in a public event. That's Joe Biden. His press secretary is prepared, Jim Psaki, for a question that was obviously going to come around the conduct of Gwen Berry. Gwen Berry, who won the bronze in Olympic trial, who turned her back on the national anthem and on the flag, then accused those responsible for the event of trying to set her up. And this was Olympic trials in Oregon. She came in third. And then she had a t-shirt just prepared, calling herself an athlete activist. Now, the Olympics are not about countries versus countries. It always has been that way. But there are certain people who are so narcissistic because they hate America and they love this hardcore left ideology that they feel they're being righteous in condemning their country. That helps fund their activities. That helps send them overseas at some point. Now we used to say Obama would go overseas and apologize for our country. Joe Biden not only apologizes for our country, he's destroying our country. I've told you before, he's the dumbest man to ever serve in the United States Senate. I've told you before, he is a blank slate, which is why he was, throughout his career, plagiarist whether stealing information from taking a law school exam or stealing speeches from Neil Kunick or Robert Kennedy or what you have. Now he has stolen the ideology of Bernie Sanders who has stolen it from Marx. And so he trashes our country at every turn. Do you know why Latinos are kind of leaning against, he says, getting vaccinated? They're afraid of being deported. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of Latinos in this country who are American citizens who aren't afraid about being deported. So that's another racist slur. Then he talks about black people remembering Tuskegee, which had to do with syphilis, as another reason blacks aren't taking or using uh, vaccines as much as possible. And then white people, of course, because they're white supremacists, uh, and uh, that's their problem. 
This is a sick man. I'm not even talking about his, his incapacitation. This is a hateful, sick man who will do anything for power and to hold on to power. People don't understand this. So he has embraced the most radical, hateful, racist ideas on the political spectrum today. So here's what Pasaki had to say after Peter Ducey asked Pasaki about where the president stands on this Gwen Berry. Cut 14, go. This weekend, Gwen Berry, who hopes to represent the United States as an Olympian on the hammer-throwing uh, events, won a bronze medal at the trials, and then she turned her back on the flag while the anthem played. Does President Biden think that is appropriate behavior for someone who hopes to represent Team USA? Well, uh, Peter, I, I haven't spoken to the president specifically about okay, this. Okay, so she's a liar. Of course she has. They anticipated this. Go ahead. But I know he's incredibly proud to be an American uh, and has great respect for the anthem and all that it represents. I don't know that in the least. Look at what he's done. Go ahead. For our men and women serving in uniform all around. Who he's undermining as I speak. Go ahead. He would also say, of course, that part of that pride in our country means recognizing there are moments where we are, as a country haven't lived up to our highest ideals. Why don't you tell us about the moments where we have? Why don't you tell us about the moments where we have? A lot of us have family members and a lot of you listening who have served in the military. My grandfather fought in Iwo Jima and Guam. My great uncle fought on Guadalcanal. Why don't you remind people about stuff like that? Why don't you remind people about the Civil War where there were over 700,000 casualties? Why don't you remind them about the Vietnam War and the Korean War? Why don't you remind them about that? Why don't you remind me about the people who've been in Afghanistan and in Iraq and in Africa and all over the world, many of them on secret missions. What a fantastic country we are. Why don't you remind them that most of our wars in recent times have been fought in non-white countries in order to protect Muslim against Muslim, Arab against Arab, and you name it. Why don't you remind them of our great moments, Pasaki? Because you hate the country. And so does your boss. And none of you have any relationship with people like this. That is, who are patriotic. None. Go ahead. Respecting the right of people granted to them in the Constitution. This isn't a matter of respecting the right of people granted in the Constitution. This isn't a First Amendment issue. This is a fact that an athlete who's supposed to be representing our country, is humiliating our country, or attempting to, because she is an egomaniac, and a narcissist, and a self-righteous aggrandizer. It's not even good for sports, right? Don't we have teams? I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Now, education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, and it continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide. Through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of Liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. 
This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage and liberty that too often today is falsely derided and denied. Hillsdale's motto is, Pursuing Truth and Defending Liberty Since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Mark Levin, radio's hell-raising intellectual. Call now, 877-381-3811. You know, uh, the left has destroyed the Oscars. Nobody watches the Oscars anymore. They've destroyed the Golden Globes. Nobody watches the Golden Globes anymore. They have done uh, serious damage to uh, multiple sporting leagues. And uh, now they're going to do it to the Olympics. And there's several reasons for this. First, I don't know if you were able to watch my show last night and hear the monologue on Fox. But I want to play some of this for you to lay the foundation for the rest of the program this evening. So I hope you'll bear with me. So let's go. Cut one, go. We talk a lot about critical race theory. We talk almost not at all about something called Latcrit, which is Latino critical race theory. We talk almost not at all about critical gender theory. We talk almost not at all about the movement behind um, climate change, so-called, and the Green New Deal. Well, in this book that I've written, American Marxism, we talk about all of them and more because they intersect. That's a word I didn't invent, intersectionality. That's a word one of the critical race theoreticians in a law school in California invented. They all intersect. And what's the common denominator? The white dominant American society must go. That is, it must be destroyed from within one way or another. All the progress that's been made economically is not progress at all. All the race relations progress that we've made, well, that's not progress at all either. And I want to talk about this briefly before I bring the guests on. I'm watching now on MSNBC, Joy Reid and others who are lying through their teeth about what's taking place with critical race theory. They either don't comprehend what it means or they're purposely misleading the public. Critical race theory is not about learning the history of America. It's not about learning slavery and segregation. It's not about learning about neo-Nazis and the Klan. It's about a Marxist movement invented by Marxists, Herbert Marcuse, uh, Derek Bell, and many, many others. And it attracts the Marxists like Black Lives Matter founders, two of of three who've already said that they are Marxists. And that's not a coincidence, because this was hatched by professors as a way to attack the society from a Marxist perspective. So when Joy Reid goes on MSNBC and asks one of the professors involved in leading this movement, you know, uh, some people are actually saying this is a Marxist-based movement, and I've been saying it now, really, uh, for some time. Uh, And that professor never said, no, it's not, because she can't. You want to know why? I read what she wrote, and she's written a lot. In fact, I read what Herbert Marcuse wrote, and he wrote a lot. And I read what Derek Bell wrote. And he wrote a lot. And they all say it. They can't deny it. But they want to embrace it. Now, the problem is this. 
This ideology, again, isn't about teaching history. It's about teaching lies. It's about teaching racism. It was considered a kook fringe movement in the 1960s and 70s. Now, the United States military is promoting it. Now, every federal department and agency is promoting it, thanks to Joe Biden. Now, almost every school district is promoting it, thanks to these administrators and school board members and, of course, the National Education Association and the American Federation of Teachers. And we're going to continue to talk about this on this program, and I hope you will pre-order a copy of American Marxism because it lays it out, but it lays out more than that. Have you ever heard of LATCRIT? L-A-T slash C-R-I-T. This is a Latino slash Chicano movement that pulls in the critical theory and critical race theory ideas. And what's the bottom line with this? The bottom line is, Americans, you're the interlopers. You're the illegal aliens. In fact, the entire existence of the United States of America is a result of imperialism and colonialism by white Protestant Europeans who came into this, this continent and imposed their will and created this country. That the real natives, indigenous peoples of this area are south of the border. And so they have every right to come to this country. They're not illegal aliens. You're an illegal alien. And so they do not accept or recognize the sovereignty of the United States because there is no United States. There is no United States. Now, this is also being taught in our colleges and universities, in addition to critical race theory. And that's what they mean by intersectionality. So we have all these victims, all the oppressed, by the existing civil society that's doing all the oppressing. And so everybody has a chip on their shoulder. Everybody has a reason to want to overthrow and overturn uh, the existing society. And so that's the notion that there are two Americas, North America, South America, and they argue even there, there's really one America. And the indigenous peoples, of course, are the people who are coming into this country, not the people who are in the country. And by the way, as a footnote, that's an interesting argument from these radical Marxists, because when it comes to the Middle East, they forgot about who the indigenous people are. They're the Jewish people. Well, they've only been there 4,000 years, you see, but apparently they live on occupied territory. All right, but that's not all. So you have critical race theory, you have lack crit. What else do you have? You have what I call critical gender theory. Now, what's that? Well, that's why Facebook says there's 58 varieties of genderism and things you do with your gender. Okay. There's not this binary thing where we call a male and a female. A male has this and a female has that. No, 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 no. And why is that part of this so-called spawned Marxist movement out of Marxism? Many of its leaders and many of its scholars, how do I know? I read it. It's in the book. They believe that this whole idea of a man and a woman and biological genitalia, that's been imposed by a social contract early on in the history of this country by the same people who were enslaved blacks, the same people who took over territories that belonged to Latinos and Chicanos. And these people are, are trying to impose their morals and their religious beliefs on society. And who are they to do that? Who the hell are they to do that? And so this is this movement, particularly the... Uh, the trans movement, as they call it, I suppose, uh, that rejects it. And so you have Facebook pushing 58 different varieties and others pushing four different varieties. And now when you get on an airline, you can, you can say male, female, other, whatever that means. And you can see this being pushed by the Department of Education. Again, it's being pushed in our schools. Transgenderism 
if somebody is transgendering and they're of proper age, nobody cares. Nobody said don't do whatever. We, people may have their opinion if you're going to make it public. It doesn't belong in elementary schools. One of the entities that's pushing it among students is the United Nations, as you'll see again in American Marxism, the book. And they have a whole teaching plan that's being used now. Have you checked about this transgenderism movement? Not that people are transgender, a movement. Have you checked it in your elementary schools lately? Many of you may not know this, but it's there, and it's not getting the attention that it deserves. Critical race theory, lack crit, transgenderism, what else? The war on capitalism. You can't be a good Marxist without attacking capitalism. And I spent some time on that on last night's Life, Liberty, and Levin, which I won't do now. But I want to follow up on this earlier point with you that you just heard. There's a professor by the name of Richard Landis at Boston University. He wrote a book in 2011, Heaven on Earth. And I mention this in my American Marxism book. And I point out that uh, he explains, among other things, the emotional, intellectual, religious, and spiritual drive of millennials. He calls them millennialists. And uh, I'm pointing all this out because you're seeing uh, with Gwen Berry, the hammer thrower, and so forth, the self-righteousness of people who've contributed almost nothing to this country. They take from the country. They benefit from the country, and yet they always claim victimhood. Now he says, uh, the, the millennialists have a passion for justice. They think they know good and evil well. And when they look at humanity, many see not a wide and nuanced spectrum of people, but a few saints and a vast sea of sinners, some redeemable and most not. They're quite clear on who will suffer punishment, and who will gain reward at the final revelation. And when they believe the moment has come, they do not believe in compromise. They anticipate the absolute eradication of evil, that is corruption, violence, oppression, and the wondrous bliss of the just kingdom for the good. For millennialists, the gray world of the mixed body of believers and unbelievers is an illusion in which the bad guys are only first for the time being. It will, it must pass away. Then the last, the meek, the humble, the powerless will become first. And then I point out this makes Marxism a uniquely alluring ideology in that Marx wraps his ideology in the language of the underdog and the oppressed and calls for the eradication of the status quo. For it is said to be corrupt through and through. Now Landis goes on. All millennialists hope that commitment to their beliefs will spread far and wide, enough to bring about a transformation of social and political universe. That is the very essence of millennialism, as opposed to other forms of, of eschatology. That is, the just will live free in this world. It is a collective salvation, a social mysticism. It might come by and by, but such a promise is not pie in the sky. It imagines a transformation of humanity, an evolutionary leap to a different way of human interaction that can have enormous emotional appeal. To use the language of political science, millennialism is perhaps the first revolutionary ideology. And then I point out, thus for its preachers and followers, there's a theological-like aspect of Marxism. 
a promised fundamental transformation of society and the purification of man's nature through a rebirth of society, replaced with a collective salvation found in communal egalitarianism. Landis continues, Revolutionary ideologies only begin to appeal to large numbers. The meme only spreads widely when people feel themselves close to the moment of transformation. Indeed, while many of us are millennialists in some way, that is, we hope that eventually mankind will enter a new stage of peace and justice, very few of us are apocalyptic millennialists, that is, believe this world historical event is about to happen. Only in those relatively rare moments when large numbers are convinced and mobilized by the conviction that at last the time has come, does the millennialism become a movement that has entered an apocalyptic vortex. For the people who've entered apocalyptic time, everything quickens, enlivens, coheres. They become aroused. Everything has meaning and patterns. The smallest incident can have immense importance and open the way to an entirely new vision of the world, one in which forces unseen by other mortals operate. If the warrior lives with death at his shoulder, then apocalyptic warriors live with cosmic salvation before them, just beyond their grasp. So I point out it is unsurprising that the world's most renowned and notorious Marxist revolutionaries were of the same mindset and also went to college. They were millennials. Vladimir, I mean, excuse me, Lenin. His biography includes that he was born in a well-educated family, excelled at school, and went on to study law. The university was exposed to radical thinking. His views were influenced by the execution of his elder brother, a member of the revolutionary group. Expelled from the university for his radical policies, Lenin completed his law degree as an external student in 1891, and then he moved to St. Petersburg and became a professional revolutionary. Although Mao was born in a peasant family, his biography explains that he trained as a teacher and he traveled to Beijing. We worked in the university library. During this time, he began to read Marxist literature. In 1921, he became a founding member of the Chinese Communist Party. Cambodia's Pol Pot came from a relatively prosperous family. His biography states that he was educated in a series of French-speaking schools. In 1949, he won a scholarship to study in Paris, where he became involved in communist politics. And I could go on. I can go on about Castro. Another one. Fairly well-to-do family. His father owned a farm. He went to law school. Hugo Chavez. Decently well-to-do. Was in the military. Overthrew the government. It's not a perfect model, but it is an overwhelmingly accurate model. And so we swing back to this massive uprising of the proletariat. There is no massive uprising of the proletariat. There's a relative handful of individuals. Perhaps they can convince 10%, 20%, 30% of the population. And they have to impose their will. And you can see now the millennial list or the millennial. You can see Gwen Berry. You can see so many in sports. LeBron James. And they're not alone. AOC. Etc, etc. The self-righteousness. The narcissism. They can succeed on their own. They can become enormously famous, enormously wealthy. But that does not 
feed the self-righteousness and the narcissism. It's never enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Now, education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, and it continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide. Through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage and liberty that too often today is falsely derided and denied. Hillsdale's motto is, Pursuing Truth and Defending Liberty Since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. You know, this book, American Marxism, it's hard to explain. When you get it, you'll read it, you'll see what I mean. There's seven chapters, really. You need to read the first six and understand the first six in order to, to deal with the seventh. And the seventh is the action chapter. And that's why I spend so much time on the first six chapters as well as the seventh chapter, but it's the action chapter. So it's not enough to get the book. You've got to read it. Take your time. We're going to do this together. And I have some news for you since people keep asking me. And this is because of you. The book is now sold pre-orders of 170,000, 150,000 of which are hardback. The others are ebook and audio. Really, the industry has never seen anything like this. That's because of you. They're surprised by you. I'm not surprised by you. I know you're earnest about what you want to do and learn and This audience is made up of people who didn't finish high school, who didn't go to high school, and people with 10 degrees. Because we're red-blooded Americans who care about this country. We happen to love this country. And we want to sustain it. We want to help it. And we're going to have to deal with this. And I hope you'll go ahead and pre-order. It's number one on Amazon right now. I hope you'll go ahead and pre-order your copies, particularly for kids and grandkids who are going into college here. I shall return. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello America, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. One of the 
very important issues that President Trump ran on for re-election was law and order. And he kept warning that these Marxist mayors and these, these cowardly governors and Biden and the rest would be weak on crime and there would be consequences. And of course he was exactly right. Exactly right. And in the lead up to that election, we saw how Biden conducted himself. He was a coward. It meant more to him to get elected than it did to stand up to the violent perpetrators in his own party or the surrogates of his own party. And as a result, we have massive human carnage. Massive human carnage going on. Now, Jen Psaki's unaffected. Nancy Pelosi's unaffected. Chuck Schumer's unaffected. Each is unaffected. Kamala Harris is unaffected. Joe Biden's unaffected. But there's a lot of people who are affected. We have a a murder spree going on in this country. And you think about it, I know what you're thinking. We have a murder spree going on, mostly in these Democrat cities, run by Democrats and the Democrat Party, where there were enormous number of votes for Joe Biden. How does it make sense? Through lies and propaganda and the phony media. And so what's happening? The media are now participating in a propaganda campaign by Biden and the Democrats to blame Republicans for the rising crime. Not the defund the cops movement. Not the slash the cops budget movement. Not to expose the cops to frivolous lawsuits movement. Not to take limited immunity away from the cops movement. The Republicans are responsible. And you know how they came up with this cockamamie argument? We had this massive multi-trillion dollar bill that would have poured hundreds of billions more into the coffers of the Democrat Party and their base. And these damnable Republicans would not support it. And in that bill, we had support for these cities and states, and they could have used that money, could have, to strengthen their police forces. So it's the Republicans' fault. Follow that, Mr. Producer? What a bunch of sleazeballs. People are being maimed and abused and killed. And this is the answer of the Democrat Party. What a bunch of sleazeballs. Everything they touch turns to to crap. Everything. The border was as secure as it's been in decades and decades and decades. They blew it up. They blew it up. Just unbelievable. So here is lightweight, low IQ, propagandist, Jen Psaki. Cut eight, go. Something one of the advisors said this weekend, Cedric Richmond, he said, Republicans defunded the police by not supporting the American Rescue Plan. But how is it that that is an argument uh, to be made when the president never mentioned needing money for police to stop a crime wave when he was selling the American Rescue Plan? Well, the president did mention that the American Rescue Plan, the state and local funding, something that was supported by the president, a lot of Democrats who supported and voted for the bill, could help ensure uh, local cops were kept on the beat and communities. No, he did. If he did, it's somewhere in a footnote to a footnote and a footnote to one of his rambling, incoherent mumblings. And 
when you're spending trillions of dollars and giving it to cities and states, I suppose that gives them an opportunity to do it. But wouldn't this be the same cities and states that slashed funding for the cops? So who would assume that they would then take that money and use it for cops? And remember this, even before this vote, it turns out, these cities and states were swimming in surpluses. So that was a big lie. So now the left, their failed policy, which they embraced and promoted and celebrated, they're going to blame it on Republicans? And this is the problem. They'll have help from Democrat phony journalists like Schmuck or Georgie Stephanopoulos and the rest of the, uh, the conga line of fools and frauds. Go ahead. As you know, didn't receive a single Republican vote. That funding has been used to keep cops on the beat. No, 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 no. Just think about this. Minneapolis voted to defund the cops. Kamala Harris has gone on about reimagining police departments. Remember that, folks? On and on for months. AOC kept the cops on and on. And now all of a sudden, all of a sudden we're supposed to identify, oh, it's the Republicans. Why? These cities have money for cops. They slashed it. Look at what DeCamio did in New York. He cut like a billion dollars, give or take, from his police force out of six-some billion dollars. What's it matter him needing money? It's a matter him taking money out of their budget and putting it somewhere else. The Republicans have absolutely no say in what goes on in these cities. Zero. And these blue, blue states. Zero. Nothing. So here's the point. The Democrats are going to do nothing about crime except to go after gun dealers and innocent Americans. Nothing. The Democrats take no responsibility for their policies, which have reached a point where American citizens are being slaughtered at record numbers. They're not going to do anything. It's just like the borders open. Other than this poor guy, Henry... What's his name? Cuellar, who represents the part of the border in Texas. You don't hear Democrats concerned about what's coming over the border, drugs, cartels, weapons, MS-13, the poor kids and what's going on there. Kamala Harris purposely doesn't go there. Media says, fine. Where's Chuck Todd? When is the last time Chuck Todd went to any of these facilities? Never. When's the last time Chuck Todd went into any of these cities in Chicago? Never. How about any of the cities in New York? You could take a Joe Biden's Amtrak and go, never, ever. And these are news people. Go ahead. This, uh, these local police departments might have a pandemic-related budget shortfall, not we need to keep cops on the beat because there's a crime wave. Uh, I think that any local uh, department would argue that keeping cops on the beat to keep communities safe when they had to because of budget shortfalls, fire police, is, is something They that- didn't have budget shortfalls. They made budget shortfalls. That's why the phrase defund the police. They had the money. It was defund the police or slash the police budgets. Remember, folks? Reimagine policing, all of it. It wasn't, we don't have enough funds for the cops. The Republicans won't give us enough money. And also, remember, President Trump was begging these states to call in 
and ask him for the National Guard, begging them. It wasn't a matter of not having enough personnel or resources. They didn't want the resources, and their policies are resulting in police retiring early, quitting, smaller and smaller groups of uh, rookies and so forth. It's not a Republican thing. And I'm sure the left-wing kook Democrats dressed up as journalists and on networks and cable shows are all going to spell out the facts, right? No, not a damn one of them. So if you don't support the spending of trillions and trillions of dollars, then you oppose the cops. Is that it? That's not clever. That's stupid. That's asinine. The Democrats control everything. They've got the presidency. They've got the House. They've got the Senate. They've got the cities. And at least... 40-some percent of the states. They've got the big states. California, New York, some of the big ones. What's the problem? We should be living in a Meritopia. Another book I wrote. Where's a Meritopia? There is no Meritopia. But this is what I mean. They have no compassion for their fellow human beings. It's all about rote lies, power, Controlling a society, controlling a people, ditching the Constitution, ditching due process, destroying the thin blue line, undermining the military, globalism, destroying citizenship. Because the Democrat Party represents these various movements in the American Marxist overarching movement. That's what it's become, and people are going to have to come to grips with this. Some of you are long-time Democrats. This is not your party. This isn't it. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Again, I want to... Uh thank this audience, uh, many of you, for supporting the efforts uh, of the shul in Bell Harbor, the uh, Chesed Fund, and the raising of monies to uh, help the families and uh, those associated with this rescue effort. I have great fears about this now. I just do. 
Um, you know, they found one young boy, really a passerby, and uh, nobody else so far. Now, they should keep doing their thing as long as they think they need to do it. Don't get me wrong. But uh, what a horrific situation. Horrific. Um, you know, it's pretty amazing to me, too. We have all this talk about infrastructure and bridges falling and tunnels collapsing. I'm not hearing a lot of bridges falling and tunnels collapsing and so forth. But the whole idea infrastructure used to be to prevent that. And so for the American Marxist, you use infrastructure to advance your cause. When you fail, like how you've, how you've unleashed criminals and killers in our cities, then you blame the other party. And then you have talking points and you all say exactly the same thing. When the consequences of what's going on on the southern border become apparent, the amount of drugs, the amount of criminality that's been now unleashed on the American people, they will blame Donald Trump. When their spending results in massive inflation, they will blame the rich. They will blame the rich. See, the key to being a good Marxist is taking responsibility for nothing. Nothing that turns out to fail utterly because Marxism can't succeed. It's a failing ideology. That's why these are police states. That's why they use the iron fist in the most aggressive forms and the less aggressive forms. That's why they'll turn the IRS on people or, or do the things that they do. Because it's not only impracticable, it's impossible. And it's all predictable. When you massively increase spending and massively increase taxes, you create economic dislocation and impoverishment. That is where we're headed. When you refuse to enforce federal immigration law and undermine the brave men and women who are trying to secure the border, the result is likely over 2 million people pouring into the country. Over 2 million people. That's about the size of the city of Philadelphia. And we don't know who most of them are. But they can't all be, you know, angels. Or people ready to join the Red Cross. We know that for a fact. So even if a small percentage are violent or drug pushers or MS, or whatever it is, that's a lot of people. And so the Democrat Party just keeps wanting you to follow shiny objects or to create misdirection. And that's what they do. Meanwhile, they'll take credit for a vaccine they had nothing to do with. An economy that was starting to grow, they started to take credit for that. They have massively expanded the welfare state. So people get paid as much or more not to work than to work. They're creating a very bad psychology, particularly among younger people in this country. The Democrat Party is a a poison. 
in our body politic. It's a poison in our culture. When you look at its history, when you look at it today, the American media have been conquered by the Democrat Party. The American media. There are an enormous number of individuals in the media whose families are Democrats, or even more, who have served in Democrat administrations. Almost every one of the Sunday shows, the main anchor on the networks, was an active Democrat. And these corporations, like Comcast with NBC and MSNBC, and AT&T with CNN and the rest, they're perfectly happy with this, because they've already thrown in with the Democrat Party. Doesn't bother them. So we have no real free press. And by press, we mean overall. We don't have a free press in this country. We have a press that represents a radical ideology and the Democrat Party. That's what we have. And we have big tech, which is used to try and censure and crush and squelch anybody who has an independent thought that doesn't go along with the hard left or the Democrat Party. It is a very, very dangerous oligopoly. More so than Standard Oil ever was. Ever was. And then we have our colleges, and I address all this, then we have our colleges and universities, where the funding spigot is never turned off. We're funding our own demise. You're sending your kids into these schools, and they're coming out hating you, hating everything you taught them, and hating your country. And these professors are protected by tenure while they destroy academic freedom and and debate. They hide behind academic freedom in order to protect themselves. Where do you think most of these uh, Olympiads come from? They come from our universities and colleges. Down for the struggle. And yet the funding goes along The confiscatory tuition rates go along. The Marxists, who are tenured, goes along. And we're treated as suckers, because that's how we act. What can we do? What can we do? Well, there's a lot we can do. I'll be right back. Levin Show, the pool feed for the conservative media. Dive in now, 877-381-3811. You know, Biden and his Politburo staff, they're populating all these agencies and departments with radicals, and they create these task forces. And these task forces are filled with Marxist nutjobs. National Archives, this is Fox News, Racism Task Force. There's a National Archives Racism Task Force to see if the National Archives is racist. Some of our most priceless documents are there. It says, own rotunda. The rotunda 
the physical architecture and structure is an example of structural racism. And they knocked the founding fathers. You know, I have some incredibly valuable things that I was actually thinking of donating to the National Archives because I figured it's pretty bureaucratic and straightforward. That'll never happen. That's not happening. The National Archives Task Force on Racism claimed a little-noticed report to the U.S.'s top librarian that the archives own Rotunda, which houses the Declaration of Independence, and we've been there. The U.S. Constitution and the Bill of Rights is an example of structural racism. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a half circle. What does that have to do with racism? And that the Founding Fathers and other white, historically impactful Americans are portrayed too positively. Yes, you must tear the country apart. And no better place than the National Archives, ladies and gentlemen. The report was completed in April, released this month, but has so far flown under the media radar. The task force claims that structural racism unequivocally impacts how National Archives and Records Administration employees interact with each other, customers, and the historic records themselves. Some examples of structural racism were provided in the summary of the report, including legacy descriptions that use racial slurs and harmful language to describe BIPOC communities. What does that mean? Black, indigenous, and other people of color, it says here which includes actual racial slurs alongside terms such as elderly, handicapped, and illegal alien. It's not the job of the archives to edit old documents. They are what they are. That's the whole point. Additionally, the report categorized... You know what? You know what would be interesting? If we would take our Bill of Rights and then see exactly the same time in history what was going on in the rest of the world. And you would see how advanced this country was, even at its founding. Advanced. Additionally, the report categorized the National Archives Rotunda as another example of structural racism, as it lauds wealthy white men in the nation's founding while marginalizing black, indigenous, and people of color, women in other communities. Those white men, boy, I'll tell you what. Now, I'm going to say something about white men. White men, not to the exclusion of black men or brown men or yellow men or albino men or interracial men, white men. The vast majority of the men and women... Excuse me, the vast majority of the men fighting in World War II were white. White. Now, what are we to make of this? What are we to make of this? What does that mean? Is that good? Is that bad? What does that mean? We hear about this group of soldiers over here in their race, and this group of soldiers over here in their race, and this group of soldiers. The vast majority of men who fought in World War II were white. That is a fact. Now, what are we to make of that? Is that good? Is that bad? Is that relevant? Can you even say it? It's true. The task force suggests ways to reimagine the rotunda. I'm telling you, you've got to read this book, American Marxism. This word, reimagine. I told you about this already. It comes from this 
Marxist professor, her name is Anyan, A-N-Y-O-N, and she was the one that kept pushing, reimagine the economy, reimagine this, reimagine that. And so you hear it everywhere now. This is why I want people to read this. I want people to understand what's going on, where it's coming from. The task force suggests ways to reimagine the rotunda. They did a great job at reimagining the police, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Including staging dance or performance art in the space that invites dialogue about the ways the United States has mythologized the founding era. You know what I'm... I almost said something I would regret. Not because I'm on the radio, I just know I would regret it. The report also called for trigger warnings to be put in place with historic content to forewarn audiences of content that may cause intense physiological and psychological symptoms. Providing an advisory notice to users gives us an opportunity to mitigate harm and contextualize the records, the report reads. So they picked every hate American Marxist buffoon to sit on this task force. Creates a space to share with the public our ultimate goals for reparative description. Yet, by the way, they come up with these new phrases. Excuse me? No, no, no. Reparative description. Oh, reparative description. Demonstrate our commitment to the process and address any barriers that we may face in achieving these goals. The size and scope of the catalog and the ever-evolving knowledge we gain regarding what is harmful. Task Force report also calls for a change to language on ourdocuments.gov, a website on America. Every fascist, Marxist, totalitarian regime is doing what these clowns want to do. Every damn one of them. Every damn one of them. Propaganda, changing words, destroying the existing civil society. It's leaching into every aspect of this society. Did you ever think it would happen at the National Archives? What's happening with the Biden administration, it's seek and destroy. Every corner of the bureaucracy, every corner of education, every corner of the economy, every corner of immigration, seek and destroy. Joe Biden may go down as the worst president in American history. Because it's going to take an extremely strong president after Biden to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Particularly in the face of a hate America media, a hate America academia, and more and more foot soldiers in the movement that are graduating from colleges and universities are listening to morons in sports and in media. The task force report also calls for a change in the language. Ourdocuments.gov features transcripts and historical context of 100 milestone documents of American history, but often uses adulatory adulation and excessive language to document the historical contributions of white, wealthy men, the report reads, before taking aim specifically at Thomas Jefferson. For example, a search of Thomas Jefferson in our documents.gov brings up 24 results. He's described in this simple lesson plan as visionary, who took vigorous action to strengthen the will of the nation to expand westward. 
The plan does not mention that his policy of westward expansion forced Native Americans off their ancestral land, encouraged ongoing colonial violence, and laid the groundwork for further atrocities like the Trail of Tears. He had nothing to do with the Trail of Tears. But look how this goes. This is the place that houses the Declaration of Independence, Jefferson's brainchild. You see, they're trying to destroy the National Archives. That's all. They're they're not trying to get history straight or anything of the sort. You come in there, oh, I feel triggered. Oh, oh, I I can't. Then why are you there? Well, you know, whatever. It's either that or the bakery down the street where I'm trying to force the guy to bake a cake. Uh, They're out to destroy. This is a Marxist-slash-fascistic mindset. That's exactly what it is. This is American Marxism. That's why I will not back off from that title. Period. Even when I come under this crushing attack, I don't care. We're going to call it what it is. I'll tell you why I think this, this is appealing with all the pre-orders right now, American Marxism. It really is the first modern-day book that really lays it out. That really lays it out that doesn't pull any punches. On the other hand, it's not a shoot from the hip. It's a scholarly book. And then after the first six chapters, you get to the final chapter, where there's a, a very significant discussion about what steps we should take or we might want to take. And that's also intended to help May I use the word trigger? Trigger some ideas that you may have or you may be participating in. This is ground zero right here behind this microphone and with you, each and every one of you listening. I want you to think about something. This, this word American Marxism. We've now coined this phrase. Who would have said anything like this before? They would have been scared to death. Other hosts on TV and rest scared to death. So you and I, we, we have to take the lead on this. I think that's why this book tonight is number one on Amazon.com. And I want to tell retailers something quickly, too. Retailers, small and large, franchise independent. If you treat this audience with respect, If you don't hide this book in the back, if you put it out front where it belongs, not just the Obama books and the left-wing books and all the rest of it, white fragility and so forth, if you treat this book with respect, you treat the audience with respect, I'm going to talk about you two in a very positive way. Because you'll deserve to be talked about in a very positive way. When this book is... Released on July 13th, given the pre-orders, it should be at the front of every bookstore. It should be at the front of every, every bookstore in every airport. We've had a lot of problems with bookstores and airports. They stick them in the back, but you can't get enough left-wing books on the front. Why is this important? Think about the number of people who walk through airports, or the number of people who want to grab a book when they get on a plane. It's important. We're not going to put up with censorship here. I'm not. The more people who get this in their hands and the more people who read this, 
the greater the possibility we will succeed in clawing our way back. Because right now we're losing. It's quite obvious. But that doesn't mean we give up. Doesn't mean we won't be resolute. Just means we have our work cut out for us. I'll be right back. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. I meant to tell you folks that the first number of American Marxism books off the printing uh, assembly line are being shipped out to uh, and have been to uh, certain members of Congress, to uh, individuals in the media, including Fox, including talk radio, be followed up by another wave, certain columnists, certain think tanks. Um, not nearly enough yet, because we don't have enough. So we'll see how that is. Uh, we'll see how that's dealt with. And I would encourage people who get it, rather than rip off, why don't you talk about it? So we can get people all involved here. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the subject matter. It's about the substance. It's about the country. It's about our families and our kids and our grandkids. That's the hope. So that's why it's being distributed. And it'll give people time to actually take a look at it before it's released. It's going to be released in, uh, well, July 13th. So that process has already begun, just so you know. We're going to have a couple of exciting announcements for you very, very shortly, too. So stay tuned. Just to circle back from earlier in the program, if, in fact, the U.S. Olympic Committee not just tolerates, but defends... As Joe Biden's spokes idiot did today, anti-American symbolism and comments from people who are supposed to represent this country in the Olympics, I will not be watching the Olympics. Just one time, I'm shutting it off. I'm shutting off. They've destroyed the Oscars. Nobody cares about the Oscars anymore. They've destroyed the Golden Globes. Nobody cares about the Golden Globes anymore. They came within an inch of destroying National Basketball Association. And national football. But the fools backed off a little bit. If they had kept it up, they would have destroyed them. So, if they want to destroy the Olympics, then keep it up. 
Joe Biden will destroy everything. He doesn't give a damn. He's never contributed a damn thing to anything. What has Joe Biden, after half a century, ever contributed to this country in terms of uh, freedom, opportunity, protecting our Constitution? What the hell has he done? He's a taker. He's a user. He's a bloodsucker. May I say that? I think I will. He's benefited mightily. He's been a senator damn near all his life, except for eight years as a vice president and now as a president. You know, they keep going after Trump. Trump's contributed a hell of a lot to this country. There's a whole skyline that Trump built. There are places that were going under that he fixed up, refurbished. He breathed life into them. Thousands and thousands and thousands of employees over the course of his career who paid taxes, real taxes, and took care of their families. Joe Biden, nothing. I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building we've once again made contact with our leader Mark Levin Hello America, Mark Levin here our number 877-381-3811 877-381-3811 there's so much to do on a Monday but I want to get to some calls in a moment but first since we've been following this uh, very, very closely. A lot of people are giving this a pass. They really need to pay attention to this. This is from The Hill. New York prosecutors give Trump Organization lawyers Monday deadline report. Now, Monday's today. New York prosecutors have given former President Trump's attorneys until Monday afternoon, which has passed, to provide an argument as to why the Trump Organization should not face criminal charges, the Washington Post reported. Now, you can see the leaks coming out of this uh, Cyrus Vance operation. Last week, it was reported the Manhattan DA's office was considering bringing criminal charges against the Trump Organization as a whole and against executive Alan Weisselberg. This is this old guy who's been, who's been the uh, financial officer for decades because they're trying to get Trump. New York Times reported Trump's attorneys had made an appeal to prosecutors from the DA's office to not file charges against the company. The two sources close to the matter, how do you like that? The two sources close to the matter told the Post that Trump organization attorneys now have until Monday to make a case as to why the charges shouldn't be filed. The investigation, this investigation has been going on for four years. And they have filed dozens of subpoenas and have gotten millions of pages of documents. Into transactions, I'm sure, that go back years and years. Unbelievable. This is the same DA who wouldn't go after all those perverts from Hollywood who live in uh, New York. Just he, He's such a hack. Last month, the New York Attorney General's office announced the investigation. 
which initially had been in a civil nature, had been expanded to a criminal conspiracy. Now, if you watched my Fox show a couple of weeks ago, you saw that she campaigned on going after Trump criminally. So she should be recused and disbarred. The DA, Vance, the Attorney General, James, are working together on the investigation. They always reached out to the Trump organization. This is how the prosecutors work. The Post said Alan Futerfes, an attorney for the Trump organization, didn't respond. Well, why would he? Trump blasted state and local prosecutors last month, calling the investigation, and he's right, the greatest political witch hunt. It is sickening. But, again, the American Marxists, this is who they are. This is how they conduct themselves. They criminalize politics. And if you don't bend, they destroy you. Here you have a woman, this Letitia James. Isn't that her name, Mr. Producer? who runs for Attorney General of New York on a platform that she's going to get Trump criminally. And what has the New York State Bar done about it? Nothing. They're going after Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani. Pretty incredible. But before I get the calls, I want to remind you uh, about these corporatists who are also addressed in American Marxism. Nike CEO, this is the Daily Mail, says sports giant is a brand of China, and for China, an earnings call amid concerns corporate America is too close to Beijing. So this is interesting. So the CEO of Nike, John Donahue, has basically said, hey, we're a Chinese company. But we're a brand of China, and for China. We're, we're basically a Chinese guy. We, we know. We started in America. We're headquartered in America. All these clowns in, a, in their professional and collegiate sports, they wear our stuff. We know. We've snookered the American people over and over again. But look, we're really a Chinese Communist Party. We don't care what they're doing to the Uyghurs. We don't care about what they're doing to Christians. We don't care what they're doing to Tibetans. They can slaughter and rape and sterilize and abort all they want. Thank goodness for the Daily Mail. This has become a real newspaper. CEO of Nike said the company is a brand of China. During a recent earnings call defending the company's position in that country, the comments come months after sportswear apparel company was embroiled in controversy over alleged human rights abuses in the country. This week, CEO John Donahue conducted his quarterly earnings report for the company. He asked about the company's plan in China by an analyst. We've been in China over 40 years, still invested significant time and energy in China in the early days, and today we're the largest sport brand there, and we're a brand of China and for China. We'll continue our long-term investment in China. During the earnings call, it was, was revealed that Q4 revenue in that country rose 9% on a currency-neutral basis. Additionally, the company saw double-digit growth in the country for the seventh consecutive year. So these corporatists, it doesn't matter if you're a genocidal regime. You know, people have often said to me, Mark, how, how is it that these, the Third Reich, you had these companies that just kept going along, pumping out products, doing their thing, working for the Nazis? Well, look at this. Who's Nike working for? Who's Nike working for? 
Despite the growth, sales in the greater China era actually, uh, area actually failed to hit Wall Street expectations this past year. And it goes on. I don't have any Nike products that I'm aware of, unless they have some brand in front of that that I'm not aware of. But I don't buy Nike anymore. My family doesn't buy Nike anymore. And uh, the UK's Conservative Party Human Rights Commission report said that tens of thousands of Uyghur Muslims have been transported to factories across the country to work. The report noted that one of the most shocking new developments in the last five years was that forced labor was now used throughout China in factories, which are part of the supply chain of major international corporations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While they're here in America going on about Georgia legislature and the founders, these people are funding the genocidal communist regime. It went on. Under conditions that strongly suggest forced labor, Uyghurs are working in factories that are in supply chains of at least 83 well-known global brands in the technology, clothing, and automotive sectors, including Apple, BMW, Gap, Nike, Samsung, Sony, and Volkswagen. Let me use the old language. Volkswagen! Vicky Zhihang Zhu and Nathan Russer who were authors of a report by the Australian Strategic Policy Institute about the forced labor of Uyghurs gave evidence to the commission in an online hearing. They said they discovered in 2019 that Uyghurs were being transported from Zhejiang to other provinces to work. Doesn't this break your heart? Isn't this sickening? Zhu and Rooster said it's a policy of the central government that resulted in tens of thousands of people pushed out of their homes every year and sent to eastern provinces to work in supply chains of international brands. They added that in the factories, workers were subjected to the conditions of forced labor, having to work under heavy surveillance, and in a few hours of free time were compelled to attend Mandarin Chinese language classes and political indoctrination classes. Political indoctrination classes, isn't that what's happening to uh, our students, Mr. Producer? Political indoctrination classes, now I want you to think about that. What do you think critical race theory is? What do you think these tenured Marxist professors are doing? What do you think big tech's up to? See, big tech gets along very well with the communist Chinese. Nike, Apple, they get along great with the communist Chinese gap. And so they can show their, their real concern for humanity and compassion by trashing our country while making a fortune in communist China. That would be like making a fortune in the Third Reich while trashing America. You know what? Let me put it to you this way. I'll be the first to say it. Too many, maybe even a majority, maybe even a vast majority of the major international corporations headquartered in America are unpatriotic. They're unpatriotic corporations. They do not represent free market capitalism of the kind that Milton Friedman and Tom Saul talk about and wrote about. They are state enterprises with a headquarters in America. That's what they've become. So if they can go after the Georgia State Legislature or go after Republicans or do something like that, while making a fortune from a genocidal regime in communist China, they know the media will leave them alone. Because the New York Times and the Washington Post are of the same ideology, 
Same thing. Same thing. Nike. Nike. You really need their sneakers, folks, and their shirts, and their hats, and their bathing suits? Really? Well, next time you pick it up, I want you to think about the people who had to make it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Another great site, twitchy.com. Chicoms agree with Robert Reich. Remember that trick? Warning that the greatest danger America faces isn't China, but our drift toward proto-fascism. You know you've made it when the communist Chinese government is citing your work to make the case that America is much more dangerous than China. So huge congrats, they write, to Robert Reich, whose assertion that the greatest threat to the U.S. is not China, but rather homegrown proto-fascism, and by that he doesn't mean Biden and the anti-Semite Marxists, he means you, is good enough to be promoted by the CHICOM Information Department's Foreign Ministry Spokesman, Director General. He says, a warning from a U.S. professor, the greatest danger of the U.S. is its drift towards proto-fascism. Another spokesman for the commies, a wise professor, tells the real story. I'm looking, and it goes on. It's funny how the communist Chinese cite so many of our Democrats, isn't it? Robert Reich is a, he's actually a moron. He's a moron. I, over the years, I've invited him on this show or the other. He won't come here. Oh, I'm an exclusive with you. Whatever. He's a coward. They're all cowards. None of them will come on here. We've tried AOC. We've tried Bernie Sanders. The whole con- and rhinos. We've tried Romney. We've tried a lot, haven't we, Mr. Producer? Schumer. None of them. Even when Romney was running for president, we couldn't get him on the program. That's how I knew. Trouble in paradise. Now he'll show up on any left-wing platform imaginable. Him and that clown Kingsinger and a handful of others. And they, uh, they're very intellectually dishonest and incredibly stupid people, to be perfectly honest. They play right into this. They only realize what's going on in their own country. Anyway, we just talked about the communist Chinese. And people like Robert Reich have less of a problem with the genocidal regime in communist China than they do with you. 
It's just, it's the truth. And unfortunately, it's very sad. All right, Mr. Producer, let's take a few calls. I've had it enough with the, with the morons in the world. Um, who, who should I speak to? Jackson, Tennessee, Tom on the Mark Levin app. How are you, Tom? I'm doing great, Mark. Thank you for taking my call. And yes, you are sir. the greatest. Well, thank yes. you. No problem. Um, I am, t- well, let me introduce myself a little bit. So I, well, tell I, us I, quickly. We're going to hit a, a, a hard break here. What, what's on your mind? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm talking about communists that I, I, uh, that I, I went through. That is uh, the Khmer Rouge, the Pol Pot that you mentioned earlier. So you're Cambodian. And I am a survivor. Yes, sir. I'm a Cambodian. Cambodian tell everybody man. what it was like. Well, three of my brothers died. One of my brothers beaten to death because he had a diarrhea. And my grandma, I believe she died from starvation. And I don't know where, where she at. I don't know where to bury her. And uh, a lot of my aunt, my uncle, and my cousin would disappear during the Khmer group. And uh, I was fortunate to survive when I came through America. I mean, I came to a refugee in Thailand and uh, wait for four years, and I got a sponsorship to come to D.C. area, to where I lived from um, 1984 until 93. Then I moved to Philadelphia, where I attend Community College of Philadelphia. And now you're in Mississippi. Uh, excuse me, Tennessee. Now, Jackson in Tennessee, yeah. I, I recently just moved from uh, Columbus, uh, Columbus area. So when you hear these, these Marxists go on about our country and act like they're being uh, uh, victimized or oppressed while they're making a fortune, while they're, while they're becoming famous, while, while they're in the freest country in the face of the earth, it must absolutely drive you bonkers. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, I hate to say it. Even my own kid, I have eighteen, sixteen, and thirteen, and they just spoil us like crazy. They're not. They don't understand what it is to live through communism. And even when I was in college at uh, University of Memphis, and I had this young lady said, "The Constitution is a fraud." They don't know nothing about Constitution. They don't know nothing about communism, and they praise it. And even the professor just nod his head. It's like, okay, fine, Mao Zedong is great. They don't understand that. They don't understand how, how, how communist is. It, you know, it, if they were shown films of the killing fields in Cambodia, the black and white films taken by the government, if they were shown films of what Mao did to his people, or what Stalin did to his people, if they were shown films and really taught real history... Uh, then they, that might have an impact. But right now our children are being indoctrinated to hate America and to embrace this police state Marxist ideology. That's exactly what's going on. And, uh, and we're going to push right. back, Tom. I can tell you that right now. Yes, sir. We'll, we'll try our best. You know, you, know, you can't stop. You cannot let no. communists uh, in, in the United States of America. We have the greatest country on the planet. I came to America. I didn't speak a word of English. 
But I tried for 30-something years. At least I got my bachelor's degree, and I am accepted to get my master's degree. I mean, You're fabulous. Nobody's stopping me. Nobody's stopping me. There's no systematic. I did it myself. I volunteer. I spend my money. I had to clean toilet. Whatever it takes, that's what the greatest thing about America. Uh, I think so many immigrants in this country like you really understand. We people coming into this country, as we have from Cambodia and Vietnam, from China, people coming into this country from Venezuela and Cuba, people coming into this country, and they know what communism is, they know what hardship is. And, uh, and the truth is, in America, you don't have to have hardship, regardless of your race. Look, there's too many minorities in America for everybody to be discriminating systematically against minorities. How are you going to survive? How are you going to eat? How are you going to function? It's just not the case. Tom, I want to thank you very much. And by too many, I don't mean too, too many. I mean, there's just a lot. It's not like some tiny little minority group. Well, AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. You can call us now at 877-381-3811. And the liberal contact number is 877-381-3811. Here we go. Let's take some calls, shall we? Yes, I think I shall. Let's see. Mike, Mount Pleasant, Iowa, XM Satellite. How are you, Mike? Hey, doing pretty good. And you? I'm doing very well, thank you. I'd like to first thank you for taking my call. I'm honored to be uh, have a chance to speak with you. Thank you. I'm a new listener on Sirius, but I have watched you on the Fox News channel. We love our Sirius, too. Thank you. What I wanted to do was go back to what you were talking about, that Washington Post, you know, the Ministry of Misinformation, mm-hmm. talking about, uh, Governor DeSantis not uh, holding up the med- or ho- holding up the aid to Surfside, which was a lie. We yeah exactly. We all know. I mean, it was said by a Democrat. You can't let a good crisis go to waste, and they don't let things like facts stand in their way. If if uh, facts stood in their way, President Trump would be in the White House right now. Mm-hmm. All right, sir. Thank you for your call. 
Where are we going with this? I'm not 100% sure. Let us go to Brian, Middlesex, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. I would have a different argument, by the way, which is, for the left, it's not just let a crisis. It's create a crisis. They create the crises. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go right ahead, Brian. They do. Yep. That's all right. You you talked earlier. I just want to reiterate about the great, you know, I identify as a white male. I don't think you desperately <laughs> Are you biological family. or are you identifying? I'm biological. Oh, just checking. My, my parents were white. They came from Scotland. Okay. And my father fought, like you were talking before, my father, when he was 19 years old, 20 years old, mm-hmm. he was out in the uh, South Pacific on the USS Conklin fighting for our freedom. Yep. Because I tried to explain that to my son. He was playing these video games. He goes, Dad, I'm fighting the Germans. I go, no, you're not. <laughs> it's a video <laughs> game. I said, your, father, your grandfather was out in the South Pacific on a, D- a DE, a destroyed escort, and he was actually fighting the Japanese, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, it's, I feel like now if you even talk about what happened in the past, now you're racist. Yeah, well, now we're going to talk racist. about it no matter what. And they want to learn history on the left, then we need to teach history. We need to teach history. And what they don't want to teach is the greatness of this country. We have men and women who have died in the last several decades defending Muslims from Muslims. Isn't that true, sir? That's right. Whether it's in Afghanistan, whether it's in the Middle East. We have special forces now in Africa trying to protect innocent people, Christians, black Christians, from some of these uh, Muslim terrorist groups in Nigeria and the Congo and other places. Now, we don't deserve a pat on the head for this sort of thing. I'm just trying to, I'm going against the narrative. The narrative is ridiculous what we're hearing day in and day out around here. Day in and day out. But the, when I saw that general talking about critical race theory, listen, when you get in the Army, if you get in the Navy and the Marines, whatever, you're an American, and you're fighting against a foe. You're not fighting against each other. That's what got me upset. Yeah, and it should have gotten you upset because... Uh... There are generals and there are generals. And uh, I don't care what these men did during their military career. That's wonderful. What they're doing now is they're undermining the military. I, I bumped into a guy today who basically served under this Millie. I don't mean directly, but, you know, a couple of layers down. He said he was shocked at his testimony. Absolutely shocked. That's not the guy he knows. I said, well, he's now a political general. That's what he is. He's a political general. We've had those in the past. They're a disaster. We have the communist Chinese. They're on the move. Their soldiers are not wasting time on, uh, on, on, all, you know, on all that sort of stuff. I mean, if you have individuals in the military who are racist or whatever, go ahead and drum them out. But you don't have to destroy the entire military with Marxist propaganda and indoctrination. They don't... This guy, Millie, doesn't even know what he's doing. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. He hasn't even studied the subject. And the head of the Navy. You know, we don't, we don't have enough ships in the Navy. The communist Chinese are building ships every month, pushing them out into the ocean. So, 
We don't even have enough ships in the Navy anymore. We went from a 600-ship Navy under Reagan, and we're well under 300 right now. We are not prepared for war with communist China as communist China is preparing for war for us. That's the bottom line. Absolutely. In our military, you've got to have leaders. You have to have men and women who are prepared to resign or be fired. But these people are not. They're not. They like the positions they hold. It's just the way it is, unfortunately. When they had the Spanish Armada, when you rule the seas, they have more warships than we do in the, uh, in the South Pacific. It's mm. unbelievable. Yeah, and, and, uh, and they've, they've run some of these war games, and most of the time we lose. So if you're President of the United States, the Commander-in-Chief, you're the Secretary of Defense, you're the military, aren't you worried about that? Isn't that your first priority? <laughs> no Apparently not. <laughs> All right, my friend, you take care. Let's see. Uh, let us continue. James Easley, South Carolina. The great W-O-R-D, the word. James, how are you, sir? Great. That's 16, 106.3. You this got it, baby. My, I'm the, this is my first call, and I listen to you every night. Thank my you, concern sir. is, Mr. Levine, if, are you aware of that, that uh, billions of dollars are included in this infrastructure to hire another 800,000 IRS agents? I believe it's 80,000. 80,000, I'm sorry. I, yeah, they want to I, double the IRS force, pretty much. Now, I don't know about you, I haven't got my tax return yet. I mean, my uh, rebate yet. Well, I filed early April. What is April? May, June... They don't have enough people to process this stuff. They don't have enough... Look, Biden wants to sick these agents on the American people. This is becoming a quasi-police state. I'm just going to be perfectly honest about it. It troubles me enormously. The borders are wide open. You have people coming into this country that are treated nicer than, than the average citizen. All this talk about Jim Crow when you're trying to get the voting system uh, manageable in a way that you can make sure there's integrity... Uh, what they're doing to our economy is a disaster. Massively increasing welfare. Young people are not working as they used to work. This is this is this is a a, a disaster. Uh, and then uh, and then this, the IRS. They want to massively increase the number of IRS agents, and they want to massively increase our taxes. That so-called infrastructure bill is a massive tax bill. You think there'll be at least one Democrat that'll vote against that because this is not infrastructure? I I, I don't know this mansion. He's uh, he's sort of a chameleon. He's a chameleon. You know, West Virginia voted overwhelmingly for Trump. The only way to make sure is to throw out a jerk like this. We everybody, you know, isn't it amazing to you, James, that we all sit on the edge of our chair, and the republic will survive or fail based on the vote of one person? Or one Supreme Court case? That just shows you how far we've fallen. The Constitution had barrier after barrier, firewall after firewall to protect us from this. Well, apparently they've been breached. And let me tell you something else, James, and the rest of the country. There are going to be times when they have 55 to 45, 56 to 44, 52 to 48, and we're not going to win a single vote. True. Because other than one or two of them, Cinema from Arizona from time to time. Mansion from West Virginia from time to time. All of the rest of them. Every single Democrat from all the rest of the country. Whether it's a red state, purple state, or dark blue. They always stick together. 
They did it during the Confederacy. They did it during segregation. They do it during, quote-unquote, democratic socialism. It's not a party of thinkers. It's a, uh, it's a brainwashed contingent of, uh, of leftists. <coughs> Excuse me. No doubt. Uh, all right, James. Thank you for your call, my friend. I appreciate it. We'll be right back. Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. This is how it's done, schmuck Todd. Breaking news over at Right Scoop. Trump's lawyer states Manhattan DA will not charge Trump organization. Here's more from Politico. Manhattan DA Cy Vance has indicated he doesn't currently plan to charge the Trump organization with crimes related to allegations of hush money payments and real estate value manipulations. According to a personal lawyer for Donald Trump, Ronald Fischetti, a New York attorney who represents the former president, said on Monday in a meeting last week, he asked Vance's team for details on charges they were considering. According to the attorney, members of Vance's team said they were considering bringing charges against the Trump organization and its individual employees related to alleged failures to pay taxes and corporate benefits on perks. Corporate benefits and perks, Mr. Producer? Like what, a rental car or something? It's been widely reported that those perks included, here you go, cars and apartments and appear to only involve a small number of executives. They've been doing this for four years? We asked, is there anything else? Fischetti told Political. They said, no, it's crazy, that's all they had, he said. When asked if the meeting touched on allegations made by Trump's former fraudulent lawyer, Michael Cohen, and by adult film star director Stormy Daniels, he said nothing, not a word on that. They just said, when this indictment comes down, he won't be charged. Our investigation is ongoing. That's the danger. They just don't stop. Vance's team has told lawyers for Trump that they will proceed with charges unless persuaded otherwise. Fischetti told Political he expects charges to come this week or next. It's like the Shakespeare play, much ado about nothing, Fischetti added. This is so small, I can't believe I'm going to have to try a case like this. Yeah. Millions of pages of documents, scores.